the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Friday, June 23rd, 2023, and this is the Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 250. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. It's available across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. Check out the Steak for Breakfast link tree that will take you to the show's Instagram, our latest Substack, and verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and Truth Social. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm Roan. Noah's out of the office today, so Alan Jacoby, CEO of the My Patriot Cigar Company, is going to be sitting third chair. Antoinette's keying up. We've got a lot of breaking news. We finally got to hear John Durham testify before the Judiciary Committee. We'll check in on that. Pencil neck Adam Schiff was censored. We'll get the highlights from that as well. And Joe Biden's potential legal woes continue to stack up. We've also got a great slate of guests coming in today. Georgia Congressman Mike Collins is going to be joining us. Former Chief of Staff of Capitol Hill, Jim Pass, going to be in as well. And we'll be sitting down with the People's Pundit, Richard Barris, for the first time. But before we get to any of our guests... Let's jump straight into the headlines and change the way you consume your news. Smokey, this is not NOM, this is bowling, there are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! All right, big Friday edition of the show here. We got Alan Jacoby sitting third chair. I want to welcome in all our new listeners. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. And to everyone else. Welcome to America's fastest growing political podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. We're going to jump right into it today. Alan, how you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Thanks Great for to be here. Thanks for sitting third chair today. Noah's out of the office. Antoinette, you're here. I'm here. How are you guys? Better now that you're here. Lovely <laughs> as usual. Um, probably a little less lovely than John Durham felt after he provided, finally, his testimony up on Capitol Hill this week, uh, mm. presenting himself before the House Judiciary Committee to the world that wanted to hear this guy, you know, for the last three plus years, uh, everybody from, you know, the deep fakes of John, the Punisher Durham to pain is coming, you name it. Oh, we heard oh. it. And, uh, well, as you can clearly tell, not only did this provide America first with a pretty big distraction and getting our hopes up and then crushed again. Um, it also provided no results. So I did pull a couple of clips from the hearing that I think are pertinent. Some of our America First warriors there, and um, a penguin and pencil neck in between. But we're going to get things started. Jim Jordan led off with uh, opening statements as he chairs the judiciary, and then started questioning John Durham right off the bat. Let's hear it, uh, Mr. Durham. In the summer of 2016, did our government receive intelligence that suggested Secretary Clinton had approved a plan to tie President Trump to Russia? Yes. Was that intelligence important enough? For Director Brennan to go brief the President of the United States, the Vice President of the United States, the Attorney General of the United States, and the Director of the FBI? Yes. And was that intelligence put then into a memorandum, a referral memorandum? Yes. And was that memorandum then given to Director Comey and Agent Strzok? That's who it was addressed to, yes. Did Director Comey share that memorandum with the FISA court? I'm, I'm sorry, can you... Did he share that memorandum with the FISA court? Did Director Comey do that? I'm not aware of that if he did. Did he share it with the, with the lawyers preparing the FISA application? Not to my knowledge. Did he share it with the agents on the case working the Crossfire Hurricane case? No. Didn't share it with the agents on the case. Can you tell the committee what happened when you took that referral memo and shared it with one of those agents, specifically Supervisory Special Agent Number One? 
We interviewed the uh, first supervisor of the um, crossfire uh, investigation, um, the operational person. Uh, we showed him the intelligence um, information. Uh, he indicated he had never seen it before. Uh, he immediately became uh, emotional, uh, got up and left the room with his lawyer, um, spent some time in the hallway, came back. Um, he was ticked off, wasn't he? Yes. He was ticked off because this is something he should have had as an agent on the case. It's important information that the director of the FBI kept from the people doing the investigation. The, inform- the director of the FBI didn't want the people that were working the case to have the information, obviously, <laughs> Chairman okay. Jordan. Um, and, and, I mean, as we all know, we, we all know how Crossfire Hurricane and the, and the Mueller investigation kind of went down and, and how much of a waste of taxpayer dollars it is. There was... You know, some people on this committee from the Democrat side who wanted to point out that John Durham spent a little over $6 million over the course of the time of his investigation, to which he scoffed at based off of all the taxpayer dollars that we wasted. And, and the only reason he was assigned to special counsel was because the whole nature of this thing was just a made-up hoax. And, uh, you know, you had foreign agents interacting with our, our federal law enforcement, and you had high-level meetings in the Oval Office with the Secretary of State and the Vice President and the President at the time, the Director of the FBI, basically saying, like, this is how we're going to run it. No one's seeing the inside of a jail cell. Two of the three people who were actually indicted in, during, over the course of this investigation are already back to their normal lives. I think there's one person who has, like, two years of probation left. One other guy has uh, moved on to be a major consultant for the Democrat Party. Imagine that. And the other one's already practicing law again in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Well, at least we know Durham is real now, huh? Right. <laughs> so it's he's real. He didn't get you know Clinton, uh, but I, I, it just I don't know Roan yet. But it it just seems it, it all fell flat. Yeah. Nobody was nobody was held accountable. We had no like you said, no one saw jail cells. They're they're going after people. You know, we have we have people on house arrest for nothing. You know, he was just on your show, Peter Navarro. We have people who've been destroyed politically and financially families ripped apart because they're conservatives no one uh, no one was held accountable that that should have been that no one was indicted uh, uh notably anyway if, if anybody yeah and, and like you said point. Sussman got off and and, and three other yes. people got you know essentially slaps on the wrists and are already back to their normal lives so it's mm-hmm. one of those things where what what can you say to how the justice system works even when you have someone with their intent and everything's been laid out there. I mean, he pretty much could have watched the Amanda Milius documentary, Plot Against the President, right. which, is, which is still the highest rated documentary, I believe, on, on Amazon. If you haven't seen it. I think I got more sure out of that than the Durham report. That's the thing. <laughs> you know, not, not only did we get to, to read footnotes from, from some of our friends who went and read it for us, but unfortunately, you know, people like us have to go through and actually read or at least get the highlights from to be able to see that this investigation ran into just as many roadblocks as Cash Patel and Devin Nunes did when they were investigating uh, Crossfire Hurricane. So it's, it's one of those things where we're, we're stuck in the same situation uh, and the same characters are still kind of running the show, even outside of the D.C. apparatus. As it's been come to known here on Steak for Breakfast, I do have a couple clips from our least favorite, uh, Jerry the Penguin Nadler and Pencil Neck Watermelon Head Adam Schiff. I'm going to play them back to back uh, before I get into a couple more of the America Firsters. Let's hear them. It did not have to be this way. It may be hard to remember, but at the outset of the Durham investigation, Mr. Durham was a well-respected career prosecutor 
with a solid reputation. The Attorney General is supposed to appoint the special counsel to prevent the appearance of politicization in a criminal investigation. Mr. Durham could well have lived up to that expectation. Instead, what we got was a political exercise that operated with ethical ambiguity and existed to perpetuate Donald Trump's unfounded claims. The investigation failed in its political objectives, but did real damage to a department that is still recovering from the excesses of the Trump administration. And despite Mr. Durham's best efforts, a reckoning is well underway. Excesses from the Trump administration. He's talking about the FBI and the DOJ. The DOJ, uh, especially there. How much of a joke is that? Well, Jerry Nadler's a joke in himself. I mean, he he never makes any sense, and and anything he do, he can do to spin the narrative to show that Donald Trump is bad, and that anything that you know Durham is doing to create headlines for Donald Trump, you know that that's that's just his plan. Like I don't even think these people think. They're just programmed to spew nonsense this way. Yeah, this, this was so much more about not being about Donald Trump and how weaponized our federal justice system and law enforcement has become. And the Democrats, due to the fact that John Durham wasn't able to get the job done, according to all of us, the realists here, they've turned it back into a Donald Trump thing. I promised Adam Schiff, and we'll hear how uh, Antoinette feels about this one after we hear from Pencil Neck. Let's check it out. I'd like to yield the balance of my time to my colleague from California, Mr. Schiff. Mr. Term, uh, DOJ policy provides that you don't speak about a pending investigation, uh, and yet you did, didn't you? Um, I'm not exactly sure what when, you're When the Inspector General issued a report saying that the investigation was properly predicated, you spoke out in violation of Department of Justice, Department of Justice policy, to criticize the Inspector General's conclusions, didn't you? I issued a public statement. I didn't do it anonymously. I didn't do it through third persons. There were but Nonetheless, you violated department policy by issuing a statement while your investigation was ongoing, didn't you? I don't know that. If I did, then I did, but I was not aware that I was violating some policy. Hmm. Uh, and you also sought to get the Inspector General to um, Change his conclusion, did you not? When he was concluding that the investigation was properly predicated, did you privately seek to intervene to change that conclusion? This is outside the scope of the report, but if you want to go there, we asked the uh, Inspector General to take a look at the intelligence that's included in the classified appendix that you looked at and um, said that that ought to affect um, portions of his report. And, and you thought it was appropriate for you to intervene with an independent investigation by the Inspector General because he was reaching a conclusion you disagreed with. You thought that was appropriate. That's not, uh, the premise um, isn't right. The Inspector General um, circulated a draft memo to a number of um, agencies and persons. Our group was one of them. We were asked to review that draft and bring to his attention any concerns that we had or disagreements. And when he refused to change his report, the you violated Mr. Chairman, I insist on regular order. Well, it's not even his time. It's, it's Ms. Lofgren's time. So the gentleman yields back to Ms. Lofgren, who's not here. So the time has expired. Mm. Wow. Wow. Here's the thing. The inspector general was basically going to certify that his investigation was thorough and correct when we all know that this whole thing was schemed up by the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign. So if they're just going to pass along a lie and Adam Schiff wants to try and hold John Durham's, you know, feet to the fire and saying like, why did you want to blow this up? Why did you not want to accept the results of the inspector general's investigation? What was it that led you to believe he should have just said, 
obviously we know the dossier, the P tapes, everything with Christopher Steele. This was all fake. We have all the receipts. And again, we're missing the there there when it comes to kind of, you know, holding people accountable, especially in a case like this, because especially people like Adam Schiff, as far as I'm concerned, that guy belongs in a prison cell for what he did. I mean, I'm glad that they finally censured him, but it's it's really not enough. It's really just optics. He should be in a jail cell for so many things. Uh, you know, just take January 6th and tampering of evidence, lying. Uh, he, he, he committed treason. Mm-hmm. Adam Schiff committed treason against the American people and our government. And no one will acknowledge that. But, you know, D- Donald Donald Trump is the uh, is the guy who gets 37 federal indictments. Yep. It's, it's, it's just wild. It's a banana republic. And we're in trouble. Georgia Congressman Mike Collins is going to be joining us at the bottom of the segment to provide some additional commentary on what we're covering right now uh, from his perspective and perspective inside the Republican House, America Firster, Trump endorser, et cetera. Um, in addition to that, you know, it, it's like we talked about. What can you say to, to these people who, like, especially Adam Schiff, guy belongs in a prison cell, and like Allen has always alluded to, <laughs> has essentially committed treason. Don Jr. spoke with us on the show just about a month ago, and he said when he was going through, well, him being charged with treason, that -hmm. every time he came out for a bathroom break, people were hitting him up and saying, like, hey, is this being said in there? Hey, is that being said in there? And who else would be leaking it to the Wall Street Journal, Politico, and CNN besides Adam Schiff, who was running the investigation at the time? I mean, he does have a history of doing such things. Hmm. What do you think, Alan? I don't know if I could say what I think. I mean, I got my Twitter account annihilated for it. We know what the punishment for treason is. That's true. And there are so many people that deserve it. You know, right. it, it's it, how much more can we say? These people are evil. And, and that's what the fight is. It, it, it's, it's good versus evil. These people are not serving the American people. They're self-serving. They're constitution uh, annihilators at, at any turn. And... It just comes down to, listen, we have a country to save. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, Donald Trump, again, not, not, not that I'm a member of a cult, but it, it's clear as day. He's the guy that's going to put us in the driver's seat. And he has nothing to lose being in office for only four years. And, and uh, maybe then we'll start seeing some real accountability. Durham, waste of time, waste of money, fell flat. And I believe, and I didn't see the whole clip, but I, I heard that, Matt Gates went at him for a few things. Well, coming up in a second. Yeah, uh, he he's, you know, I, Big to me, you know, is 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 John Durham bought and paid for? John Durham is now enjoying his retirement, as this was his last job. Well, oh really? Yeah, yeah. This that's was con- that's convenient. Well, well, well. To piggyback off that, Congressman Russell Fry was next up. He was talking about the FBI and the fact that they didn't do their job for an overwhelming majority of the entirety of the investigation. Let's hear him. ...ago, the FBI launched Crossfire Hurricane, the left's brazen attempt to keep Donald Trump out of the White House. This federal investigation, funded by the Hillary Clinton campaign, caused Americans to believe that then-candidate Trump 
was colluding with Russia in order to win the 2016 presidential election. Mr. Durham has spent four years investigating this, 480 witnesses, 6 million pages of documents, 190 subpoenas, and executing seven search warrants. Less than a month ago, he completed this report. Um, that instigated a baseless investigation and launched a partisan attack on President Trump despite having no true justification to do this. That was the FBI. Within three days of receiving the information from a diplomat in Australia, the FBI opened a full-fledged investigation into the Trump campaign. So, Mr. Durham, let's get into this. The FBI opened up Crossfire Hurricane without speaking to the people who provided the initial information. Is that true? That's correct. The FBI opened Crossfire Hurricane on a Sunday, only three days after reviewing that information, is that correct? That's correct. So just think about that for a moment. An investigation, a full investigation into a presidential campaign over a weekend. Mr. Durham, the FBI opened Crossfire Hurricane without interviewing any of the essential witnesses, is that true? That's true. And the FBI also opened up Crossfire Hurricane without using any of the standard analytical tools typically employed to evaluate that evidence, is that true? That's true. So think about that. The FBI never talked to the people who gave them the intelligence information. They never examined their own witnesses. They never interviewed the witnesses. They never corroborated the dossier. Mr. Durham, if the FBI had done these things, if they had done their homework, would it have found that its own Russian experts had no information about President Trump being involved with Russian leadership or Russian intelligence officials? Yes. And we'll leave it at that. That was Congressman Russell Fry, who behind him had an enormous printout of the infamous text message exchange between FBI lovers, Peter Strzok <laughs> and, and, and Page, which said, uh, Trump's not going to be the president, right? This isn't going to happen. And then, obviously, Peter Strzok was responding like, no, we're going to make sure it doesn't happen. And, you know, that's the thing. You hear John Durham, like, one-wordedly answer those questions, and you just be like, okay, if, if you're agreeing to all these things, even outside of the scope of your official investigation, and let's even take it further, outside of the scope of your final report, how do we not have any of these people being held accountable? I also want to remind everybody that's listening today, because it's often swept under the rug, every single person that was involved with this investigation, John Durham's investigation into the DOJ and the FBI, especially on Comey's team, let's not forget that they were allowed to wipe all of their electronics before they yeah. turned them over for in forensic investigation. <laughs> Bleached it. <laughs> yes. Hide, hide, hide everything. Hide the evidence. Hide it all. And, uh, you know, as, as you go through this testimony, which is like, you know, there's parts of it that are like, oh, finally. But at the same time, you can't help not getting pissed off again that we're heading into another presidential election cycle eight full years after Donald Trump came down the escalator eventually. And, and we're still playing games with the same stuff that was going on then. Nothing's changed. It's all gotten worse. And, and some of the people that are fed up with it are going to be in our last two clips right here. We're going to play Congressman Matt Gates first as he had a fiery exchange with uh, John Durham. Let's hear him. Harder. Yeah, well, if that's your thought, I mean, there's no way of dissuading you from that. I can tell you that it's offensive and that the people who worked on this investigation have spent their lives trying to protect the people in this country and pursue within the law what it is that we, two, can, we are authorized Wait, to do. On. You tried two cases, lost both of them. And then the one plea, guilty plea you got, Kleinsmith, Kleinsmith is back to practicing law in Washington, D.C. today. Mm. That's beyond my control. Right, but, oh. but the, the fact that you allowed that plea to occur, right, and, and then the punishment was insufficient, the fact that you didn't, you didn't charge Andrew McCabe, you didn't convict the lying Democrats or the lying Russians, 
You didn't investigate Mifsud or the Mueller probe, even though, as we sit here today in black letter, that was your charge. Have you ever heard of the Washington Generals? The Washington Generals, yes. Yeah, and, and they're the team that basically gets paid to show up and lose, right? <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm sure that the players who um, exert blood, sweat, and tears don't view it that way, but oh, you might. I think they do. I think they do because the job of the Washington Generals is to show up every night and to play the Harlem Globetrotters. And their job oh, I'm is thinking, to lose. I'm sorry, of a different, I was thinking of a different Yeah, thing. yeah, so their job is to lose. And I'm kind of wondering, and, and it, just se- it just seems so facially obvious that it's not what's in your report that's telling, mm-hmm. it's the omission. It's the lack of work you did. And for the people, like the chairman who put trust in you, I think you let them down, I think you let the country down, and you are one of the barriers to the true accountability that we need. Do I get to respond to that or comment on that? Yeah, well, I don't know if you've ever investigated a crime. Um, if you I don't know that you have. Did, you didn't investigate these, Mr. Durham. <laughs> Whether or How about not? Andy McCabe? Did you charge him? Did you yeah. investigate him? Gentlemen, gentlemen, time has expired. The witness can respond, and then we'll move on to our last uh, last. I don't know, sir, whether or not you've ever had occasion to uh, try to investigate crimes under the rules and regulations and not under the Constitution. Oh, you mean the roadblocks. Um, we can right. gather evidence in particularly lawful ways. Uh, can't charge people because we might think it's not something. Just that we you can didn't charge. charge you didn't investigate. Oh, you didn't time. investigate the Mueller team gentlemen's wiping time. their phones, gentlemen's and you won't time. tell us who gave the orders because you're protecting those. Nice. No, it needs to be heard. And the thing is, the fact that John Durham, even though we all know the major players involved, not just Strzok and Page, but Comey, Clapper, Brennan, Clinton, Obama, Joe Biden, not one of those people. Were, were indicted. Not one of those people were brought before a ju- Listen, he should have just threw out the net as far as he could. He should have turned this into a fucking three-ring circus. Everybody mm-hmm. should have had to provide testimony under oath, and whatever stuck, stuck. At the very minimum, we'd be playing the same game that these assholes played with us in 2016 yep. and are trying to do all over again with these indictments against Donald Trump. Still playing it. Still playing it. Yeah. It's all bureaucratic bullshit, and, you know, that's, that's what roadblocks are. John Durham um, was whether he was paid to do it or just ordered to do it by any other means. It could be blackmail. It could be anything. Yeah. He, he protected um, a lot of people because, you know, again, you don't have to have experience investigating crimes to realize that there were crimes that the American people know about that were not investigated. Yes. By John, D- John Durham and his clown staff. So they failed. They failed, and I'm tired of people thinking this John Durham is some sort of a folk hero who was going to hold people accountable because he was not. No, that this is what a paid political, whatever you want to call it, and that's done the entirety of their te- the, the, you know, their career in the swamp looks like. Well, I don't know if you've ever investigated crimes before or what it takes to you know bring the levels of uh, chargivity to it, and it's like go. F- Fuck yourself, man. Yeah, it's just like, what are you going to do? You're going to talk down to the American public after they tried to, you know, invest in you and, and, and think that you would actually do the job that you were appointed to do for the last almost four years? Right. I think the big question is how many times did John Durham and Bill Barr shower together? You, you saw the text <laughs> message exchanges. Listen, un- unless you watched the actual hearing, they were showing text messages between John Durham and Bill Barr. And one of the replies to just like a normal question, like, okay, have a good night from Bill Barr, John Durham responded with a, like the kissy face emoji. Are you I mean, but, but, to, but to be fair, Ron, you know, you and I respond to, to, to each other's text messages sometimes with, with kissy faces and hearts. <laughs> this, to be fair, is fake news. <laughs> 
They're eggplant <laughs> emojis, and you know it. Eggplant emojis and raindrops, we'll call them. Vagina. Oh, but the thing is, we're never going to get to, to... John Durham is not going to write a memoir on his bad time he had with this investigation. Mm-hmm. I, I doubt he'll even... You know, maybe he'll do Tucker. Maybe he'll do someone that's in that orbit. But besides that, he's he's gone. He's back to his obscure little life and his severance package for this, uh, you know, into the wind now, as is this investigation. I'm, I'm kind of glad it's water under the bridge. You know, the only thing we're really getting from our America Firsters in Congress in regards to this, uh, you know, now that it's concluded, is tongue lashings. We're going to hear one more from someone whose stock continues to rise in America First, Harriet Hageman, in just a minute. But before I do that, I want to remind everybody that's listening to the podcast today. So important. Make sure you're following the show. Subscribe to it. Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart. Leave a five-star review and rate the show. In addition, social media is Twitter, Getter, True Social, Instagram. Follow the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Trust me, you'll thank me later. Right before we're getting ready to wrap here and jump in with Congressman Mike Collins, I do want to play this clip from Harriet Hageman. It was towards the end of the committee. I think it's very uh, important that we hear it. Let's check it out candidate and later a presidency, the fact is that they destroyed so much more and that will be their ultimate legacy. One casualty is America's faith in our institution and another casualty is the erosion of a justice system that is supposed to apply equally to all Americans, but that has been weaponized to protect the favored few elites, the Clintons, the Bidens, while targeting political enemies. That is the current legacy of the FBI and DOJ. Mr. Durham, here is my question. How long do you think that this country will Mr. survive? Mr. Chairman, the uh, time has expired. You can't ask a question. A two-tier justice system that seeks to persecute people based on their political beliefs. Yeah, I don't think that um, things can go uh, too much further with the view that uh, law enforcement, particularly the FBI, or the Department of Justice, runs a two-tiered system of justice. Um, the nation can't stand under, uh, under those circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for the parting shot, John. No shit. And what did he do Listen, you to could, stop it? You could tell at certain parts of that, especially when people like Adam Schiff or uh, Raskin and, you know, Nadler tried to dunk on him, say it was a waste of time, it was a waste of money. Yes, it was. But yeah. towards the end of that, when people really just were like, you want to know what? I'll tell you what. I, I lied. I got a bonus clip. So, Steak for Breakfast and Joyer, one of our friends of the show, who had a whole bunch of, like, visual aids behind him, all funny text messages and, like, screenshots of stuff. Texas Congressman Troy Nels, of course, wanted to compare things like the dossier and the P-tape allegations to (laughs) shitting on one of his least favorite congressmen, Eric Swalwell. (laughs) We all know he's renamed Fang Fang Yum Yum, and... I'm not going to ruin it for you guys, but I I definitely want to play the clip. Let's check it out. Imagine if somebody would have said and taken it a step further. Mr. Swalwell was was peeing on Yum Yum. Time of the gentleman. It's unacceptable. This has got to stop. The FBI (laughs) needs to. Time of the gentleman has expired. I yield back. Um, The gentleman. He does yield back. What if Eric Swalwell was peeing on Yum Yum? Yum Yum. Oh, my word. He'll be back on the show first week of July. I can't wait to sit down with Congressman Nels again. He's always a blast when he comes on. So there's kind of, you know, the encapsulation of what the Durham investigation report hearing looked like before the House Judiciary this week. You know, a lot of people gave Jim Jordan and uh, James Comer a little bit of a hard time saying that they're wasting their time on stuff like that instead of getting into some of the other stuff that's going on. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. But we're about to jump in with Congressman Mike Collins right now. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. 
I think it's time we had a conversation about a good night's sleep. Pillow King of Minnesota, Mike Lindell, and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family has been cranking out savings down at MyPillow for over 20 years. And for the first time in 20 years, they've changed the long-standing MyPillow and now have the MyPillow version 2.0. You enter promo code STAKE at checkout, you're going to get buy one, get one free. In addition to that, they've got great savings on all things like MyPillow dog beds, the Air Lindell version 1 and 2, My Slippers, and Giza Dream Everything. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. When you need a promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 25% off your order or 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. All right, joining us on the show today, he's the congressman who represents Georgia's 10th district. Always happy to have one of America First's finest on with us. Mr. Mike Collins, thanks for joining us today. Hey, man, it's my pleasure. It's always a pleasure to be on. You know what? It's the same. Our listenership is really grown very fond of you and uh, any time that you get work it out your schedule has been absolutely nuts we were talking about it before we recorded today and that's just not including the stuff that's going on up on capitol hill which has been extremely busy as well but uh we're very thankful when you take the time to uh come and uh, spend a little with us so we're going to jump right into it i said it was a busy week yesterday we had so john durham testified before the judiciary committee on the fbi's trump russia probe now i know you uh have talked about this for a long time on the show, Mike, and we're really looking for some results, and the Durham report came out. Now we've heard the man speak for himself. Some interesting back and forth between him and Adam Schiff, Congressman Fry, obviously Jim Jordan, and, of course, Congressman Gates. But what's your big takeaway from now that the this chapter of uncovering all the stuff that happened between the FBI, the DOJ, the White House, and everyone in between, how do you feel about it? No, I think it's time that uh... – that we take a hard look at just how the FBI organization is set up, what's going on in that department, uh, not only them, but the DOJ. It's it's very evident that they have been weaponized and uh, that Russian hoax uh, is, is out front for everybody to see. And uh, even, even Schiff's uh, responsibility in this thing, because, you know, President Trump didn't even get inaugurated before they started hammering on him, trying to get rid of him. And uh, I, thank goodness we have finally got a report that we can uh, start pointing to and uh, making sure that the American people know that uh, that, that was, in fact, a hoax. Do you think that Don, John Durham did a good enough job? I mean, obviously, they, they highlighted that he was able to indict very few people, and some of them are already practicing law again in Washington, D.C. I mean, that's kind of way it, it works. My biggest yeah. ta- my biggest takeaway was that we get to see just how dirty and disgusting the inside of some of these big machines that operate inside our nation's capital works. And uh, moving forward, do you think it opens up the door to new oversight or even Judiciary Committee uh, hearings? Yeah, no, I think it does. Um, but but I'll tell you what else. I think it, it, it gives us um, ammunition, not just in Judiciary Oversight Committee, but in, in every committee. Uh, we're holding oversight uh, in, in the committees that I sit on. Uh, and, and even in those, uh, you take uh, Human uh, Natural Resources Committee or the Transportation Infrastructure Committee, every federal agency out here, including the one that I just got through talking to uh, an, an, an hour ago, where the chair of the CEQ, which is a agency that the executive branch put together that had a $3 million budget that was all of a sudden increased to a $20 million budget. Mm. Now she comes in and she absolutely refused 
to answer my questions. And I'm not saying she went around the the question just talking. She sat there and said, I'm not going to speak on the subject anymore. I refuse to talk about that anymore. That is what we are exposing out there to the American people. So the Durham report, it's big because the American people know about it. They they know about the Russia hoax. Uh, Hunter Biden, people know about the laptop. But if we can continue to expose what's going on on the, on the big side there and, and let us over in these committees just do an everyday grind. Uh, we're going to expose a lot of these agencies out here and uh, and get these people back in line because, by God, they don't think they answer to a soul up here. Just like she didn't think she answered to the American taxpayer this morning. And we are going to we're going to make sure that that video gets out so that our listeners and the people in the 10th District of Georgia and people that follow us understand just how bad things are you make sure you send it our way when you guys throw it up on social medias and we'll highlight it on the show as well we love to have those accountability sessions as we've come to call them uh you know let our listenership hear that these this elitist nature that these people have the administrative state who thinks that you know they control everything and and your elected officials are just people that you see on tv making talking points it's become such a problem things like that we heard from so many deputy assistants who worked for president trump who come on the show one of your current congressional counterparts max miller you know, he said uh, you know, it was the same thing. President Trump would have a meeting in the Oval. They'd all be there. He said, Max, I need you to go over to this department, get me this, that, or the other thing. He'd walk over there and say, this is straight from the president. And the people working at, you know, whether it be at the Energy Commission or, or Forestry, whatever, land management, no, we don't do it that way. He can put in a request like everyone else, and they're like, wait a minute, the president just put yeah, in a request, and you're telling me no? And they're like, yeah, that's the way it works around here. We slow it down. It's, it's palatable. The uh, just how thick it is, uh, the the tension and how these people, these agencies, when they come in to speak to us and, and we ask them simple, straightforward questions, um, just how the disdain that they think that they don't have to answer. And even why are you even asking me these questions? Who are you to be sitting there taking a look at my agency and, and what we do for them? But I tell you what, at the end of the day, we got the power to purse it. Yes, over sir. Here. And uh, whether it be CEQ agency or the NOAA administration, which I got on hot and heavy last week, and we'll have him back into my office here pretty soon to explain to him that uh, that speed limiter rule that they're they're trying to put on uh, boats out there, it's not going to pass. I will not. I will fight. And at the end of the day, I will win that. That rule will not go into effect, even if I have to cut every dollar out of NOAA's appropriation except for the weather so that the DOD can get the weather. I'll do it right now. The way that the, uh, the rules are set up on the floor of the house, when appropriations hit the floor up there, we can amend them on our own. Just walk down to the, to the speaker's desk and lay that amendment out there. Appropriation season is going to be wild this year. We're really excited to provide our listeners. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Every single congressperson that comes on our show so far is just licking their chomp. And chomping at the bit to get into appropriation season, Congressman. I yeah. do. I do want to segue here. You know, from the Durham investigation, one of the biggest embarrassments of I think of the hearing yesterday was disgraced Congressman Adam Schiff. He he went on to head over to the House floor later in the day, and he was censured. So you went through that process. Obviously, you were a yes vote. And um, yeah. how did that whole thing go down? And then how disgraceful was it to see the way the Dems kind of did like a little, you know, stadium style chant for him after he got censured on the House floor? Yeah, you know, I hope the Republicans, we, we can turn that into a very good video um, to where they're sitting there, shame, shame and disgrace. 
Yeah, I, I wish I were down there. I'd be saying, shame on you too. Shame on you, Adam Schiff. So we could turn that around. It's a, that shame on him and a disgrace. But, you know, I even voted last week uh, when when the money was on there, the, six, the $16 million uh, that they put to, to find him. Because if you think about it, what he did, not only to this country, to the economy, to everyday Americans with inflation, where his lies, and he went out there using those lies to raise money. And yep. that's what made it uh, uh, illegal. And way more. It cost the American people way more than what we were trying to find him. So I had no problem uh, taking that vote last week. And of course, no problem taking it yesterday. But it, it, it just goes to show you how far things have gone up here. Um, you know, yeah, that was a disgrace what they're over there sitting there chanting and jumping up and down like he's some superhero. And, uh, you know, let him go out there and run for the U.S. Senate. Uh, God forbid, I hope that they, you know, they don't get him over there in the Senate unless he knows how to play pickleball or something so that he can <laughs> join the team. I think that's all they do over there. Well, uh, but yeah. uh, get him out of our hair for a while. No, that's that. I mean, that would be the biggest plus positive out of it. And I think, uh, you know, when you just look at the totality of things, like, he, you could go and talk about the stuff that he did going on TV, but he was paraphrasing national security secrets. Like yeah. he he was yeah, leaking he, legitimate intelligence to the, the the legacy media and putting out talking points on TV, which were parts of huge inquiries into like one of the biggest scandals our government has ever come under. Uh, and, and amazingly, I mean, just walk out of of, of of hearings that were confidential hearings, and then all of a sudden you see CNN or a post go up. Uh, you know, it was obvious who it was, uh, but but now uh, he has been censured. Uh, it will go down in history what where where he has been censured by the by the House, and uh, you know, hopefully it may be a deterrent uh, for future. Uh, and like I said, hey, I would I'd been happy to leave on that that fine, no problem. <laughs> So would have we, we would have loved to seen it. And, and Congressman Luna is doing a great job of pushing it. You know, I, I just a lot of you guys up there are just absolutely carrying the rest of the, the House of Representatives this session. It's been it, really impressive to see all you guys work. It is amazing. I had this discussion yesterday. If you look at the freshman class, it, it, the diversity that we bring uh, just in our class alone, you know, you had Brandon Williams on uh, talking about that sub and how we were searching for subs. Or whether you talk to Morgan Luttrell, who Navy SEAL, or whether you you talk to Max Miller, who's got it that that total insight on the on the the Trump administration. Just Harriet Hagman, look at what she brings to the table She's by beast. being out there in Wyoming. Just a brilliant lawyer. Yep. Uh, so it's it's amazing the diversity of the people that we have in our freshman class. Yeah, they always try to talk about oh yeah the Republicans are you know this is what they're doing with their such slim majority. It's like hey listen. Go and look at who's actually doing the work in Congress. The the, the future is yeah. incredibly bright for House Republicans. I truly believe that. And uh, I, I think the work's just getting started as we hit the back end of your guys' first term in office. Congressman, last thing I want to touch with you about, pretty important. So last time you were on the show about a month ago, uh, we, we were talking before we recorded, and, and we asked you about the, the endorsements coming down, especially in regards to the presidential race. And you said, <laughs> I believe, I'm not going to quote you, I'll paraphrase. You said, I'm not ready to announce it yet, but I think you boys are going to like it on the show. You did not disappoint. Recently, you attended the uh, Georgia State GOP event, and uh, before Donald Trump took to the podium, you reminded everybody that the MAGA hat stays on. You made the endorsement and, and endorsed Donald Trump to be president in, in 2024. 
what went into that decision? I mean, we know you loved his policies. We know you loved, you know, the Trump agenda yeah. during the administration. And, and when you look at the way the world is now, it's going to take a very particular president to get this country back on track. You know, it's to me, it's very simple. We, we've got a person with a track record, a proven track record. And, and the American people understand now, I think more than ever, what it means to never get tired of doing one thing. And that was winning. And, and if you told me, Mikey, we can get you four more years of what you had from 2017 up until the pandemic hit. Would you take it? Man, you can sign me up for that in a heartbeat. Sure. I mean, you know, we've both got different personalities, but that man's policies and how he thinks and the way he looks at, at the uh, the situations and with the U.S. and putting America first and, and the respect that we have throughout the world when Donald Trump was our president. Sure, that was a that was a pretty easy call for me. And, and then on the other side, well, I will look at all these scandals. Well, yeah, I look at one and that's the Russia hoax and where all that started. You've got the same actors just a different movie script and, and, and he'll beat those there. All of this stuff is people. The people in this town up here are scared of it. They're scared of him because he unleashed not just the entrepreneurial spirit, but he unleashed America yep. and, and that, that American spirit. And, uh, and that's what people are afraid of. They're afraid of losing power because there's so many things up here. You know, you take these federal agencies up here that, that just like that young, that lady who claimed they don't have to answer to us. They've gotten so top heavy and, and, and all they're doing is taking care of each other. They don't care about us. They don't care about your comments. They have they, they don't care about anything other than keeping their little nest egg that they got and making it to retirement. And that's the type of mess that Donald Trump was addressing, be it through regulations that he was cutting back left and right or whether it was taxes are just unleashing the yep. American entrepreneurial spirit out there. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go to bat for him today and have been. And you're joining a, a big majority of people up on Capitol Hill who saw the benefits of the first Trump administration and are kind of itching to get back there as uh, we are here on Steak for Breakfast. Congressman, this has been awesome sitting down with you today. Busy Friday here on the show. We know you're incredibly busy. We're going to live link your congressional website in the show description today. But for anybody that's not following you and wants to check you out more often, where can they find you on social media? I, they, they can look us up uh, on the congressional side. It's Rep. Mike Collins, GA. And, uh, you know, for the for the other side, you can go to Mike Collins, GA, and uh, you can find me anywhere, anywhere out there. I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not following him every once in a while, not frequent, but when it's appropriate, he drops a pretty spicy meme. This is Georgia's <laughs> 10's absolute finest. Representative Mike Collins, thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, it's an honor. Enjoy being on with you. Hide a position of the highest trust and authority. As chair of the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff launched an all-out political campaign built on baseless distortions against a sitting U.S. president at the expense of every single citizen in this country and the honor of the House of Representatives. With access to sensitive information unavailable to most members of Congress and certainly not accessible to the American people, Schiff abused his privileges claiming to know the truth while leaving American, Americans in the dark about, his web of or about this web of lies. Lies so severe that they altered the course of the country forever. The lie that the will suspend. The House is not in order. Members, please take your conversations off the floor. The lie that President Donald Trump colluded with Russia to steal the 2016 presidential election, revealed to be completely false by numerous investigations, including the Durham report. 
The lie that the Steele dossier, a folder of falsified and since completely debunked collusions, accusations funded by the Democrat Party, had any shred of credibility. Yet Schiff read it into congressional record as fact. Lies concocted and compiled in a false memo that was used to lie to the FISA court to precipitate domestic spying on U.S. citizen Carter Page violating American civil liberties. Not only was this egregious abuse of Schiff's privilege access to classified information, but this memo was littered with 17 major mistakes and omissions. The groundless memo violated Carter... Mm. Well, that was America First Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna in all of her glorious pregnancy, delivering her statement on bringing a censorship to the House floor as a resolution to censure Russiagate proprietor, California Congressman Adam Schiff this week, which uh, did pass. He did receive a uh, formal vote, which passed in the House of disapproval from finally yeah, his, his co-members of Congress for his treasonous conduct during the Russiagate investigation. <laughs> Essentially, that's what it's for. And, Can't call it uh, anything else. Yeah, this is about as official or a high level of scolding as you can get at the congressional level. And, uh, you know, well-deserved. But uh, before we kind of dip into some of the commentary, which led up to the eventual vote, and then we'll hear from Pencil Neck a little bit. You know, he, of course, he ran right out of the halls of Congress. Well, actually, he was carried out, like, after a, a, a major sports victory when the, like, person who hits the game-winning home run or kicks the winning field goal, the whole Democrat Party, like, basically, like, picked him up and cheered for him and carried him out of the, the, the House. But complete embarrassment there. I do want to touch on one thing first. So, Alan, last night... They had an event up at Trump Bedminster, and you attended. Um, you were an invitee and, and got to see President Trump firsthand and, and actually have a conversation with him in regards to an event that was held for the January 6th families. Uh, Cynthia Hughes, great friend of both of our shows, uh, was the person that got this ball rolling, and it turned out to be one hell of an event. You want to give us a little recap? It did. First of all, for those who aren't familiar with Cynthia Hughes, which she's been on your show, she's been on my show, she founded the Patriot Freedom Project, and they are now a multi-million dollar uh, nonprofit organization that finances January 6th defendants' legal fights with lawyers. They have their own lawyers. Uh, Jeff Clark is involved and some other great legal minds. But they also help the families, basically, that are suffering the fallout from having their family members incarcerated, political prisoners, um, who who's ultimately have just really most of them trespassed. And by, by financing their uh, rent and mortgage and electric bills, grocery bills, you name it. And yesterday, I had the opportunity to go to, to Bedminster for the, uh, the fundraiser that they had there. I helped her um, uh, you know, do some of the planning, and I sponsored it with my cigar company. And I, I got to hear, there's about, there was over 200 people there, Jeff Clark was a speaker. Um, so many others. Alex Bruchwitz was there. And, uh, of course, Donald Trump popped in. Mike Lindell, the humble pillow farmer from Minnesota, popped in when he was visiting Donald Trump. And a promo code steak for big, big savings. Yeah. <laughs> All unannounced. And we got to hear some of the stories from these January 6th defendants. The children were there who were affected. And, yeah, Donald Trump walked in the room. And he just, you know... it. <sighs> Just the energy from him and being so close, you know, within, you know, 10 feet of the man and, and watching him interact with the, uh, 
the children affected who've had their their mothers and fathers in, incarcerated. And we're talking, I think the youngest kid there was probably about eight years old mm. and the oldest kid, maybe, uh, you know, uh, 15 or 16. Um, and, and he spent time with them. Uh, you know, he, he made a speech, uh, spoke about, you know, the, the, the tremendous downfall that this country is experiencing and what he wants to do to bring it back in, in 2024, which he will tremendous support from the room. But, uh, you know, he 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 got a bunch of uh, of hats and and signed them for all the kids, took pictures with them and spoke to them. It wasn't just an in and out. I'm Donald Trump. See you later. And, you know, you see him on TV, you see him at rallies, you see him give these speeches and they're electrifying. But when you get to be in a room with him and that close and see him in person and yep. actually have words with him, which I did, it's um, he is uh, He's the same as he's on stage, but he's 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 just warm and he's approachable and he's he's the guy, the clear choice and the only guy who's going to put the American people in the driver's seat to help save this country. The guy who has nothing to lose uh, as far as, you know, being politically persecuted any more than he already is. Uh, you know, he he, he can't he, he's not running for reelection after he gets back in so he can he can he can clean house. But, you know, just the 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 sincerity and the conviction of him um, supporting the January 6th community and the Patriot Freedom Project. You know, he's making a, a sizable donation to, to the organization again, which again, again, he has in the past. People don't realize what Donald Trump does behind the scenes for January 6th. He doesn't want it publicized. That's the thing. Everybody. Well, he's a showman. He's a con man. Nope. He's all about himself. Nope. Cynthia Hughes oh. gave me the task of. Uh, trying to get outside media for the event, which I did. I had Mike Crispy and LFA TV and Anna Perez was all ready to go and cover it live. OAN was coming to cover it live, a few other outlets. And days before we were told by the Trump campaign, no outside media. Um, it, you know, you can use our in-house photographer. If people are going to write articles or, or, or and things like that. That's fine. But he doesn't want to publicize like that. He wants to be there with the families and he wants to help. There's about 16 families there and about 30 family members uh, total out of the 200 people. Raise some money, listen to him speak. And again, unless you see it in person, you really truly don't understand the generosity and kindness of this man and the conviction he has in wanting to save America. It, it was just surreal. It was. Um, most of the room was in tears listening to these horrific stories about what's going on to some of these defendants, uh, some of which I can't even say on the show. That, that's how... That's how deep and, and bad the, the the treatment of some of these people in, in prison has been sure. by our DOJ. And it's just, it's wild. I ask everybody, because I, I was at, talking to Cynthia this morning, and I'm going to now, uh, my wife and I are going to be heavily involved with the organization and helping to plan and volunteer for events. Plug it. And things like that. But Patriot Freedom Project. PatriotFreedomProject.com. Go there, donate. Um all you know, all the money's going towards uh, the, again the defense of January six defendants who need it, big time lawyers and their everyday living expenses. She is um, going to be financing the the Proud Boys appeal and a lot of other appeals and and just there's still so much work to be done. Realize January six is a long time ago, right. but the fallout of the families is going to go on for years and mm -hmm. years and years. Yep. So that's that's what it's all about is is helping them. And the DOJ, Biden's DOJ would like nothing more 
than for all of these people and, and these children to suffer as hard as they possibly can. And that is sick. And that's what we're uh, we're trying to alleviate through the Patriot Freedom Project. Cynthia Hughes, she's the best. Great organization, just like Cash Patel's organization, the, the Cash Foundation. These the, Organizations like this put food on the table, keep the lights on, put roofs over people's heads, give incarcerated parents kids Christmases and holidays and birthdays, like the things that they're having to do, the other parents in these families, without a mom or a dad in the house. You can't really comprehend what that situation's like unless it happens to you. Getting to hear it first person, like, you know, Alan's uh, already said is extremely emotional. Uh, you know, we, we get all verklempt every time Cynthia comes on the show yeah. with us here. And, you know, I'm glad the event went well. Um, it, it went definitely better than, than the censorship hearing did for Adam Schiff this week. Um, Andy Ogles, Tennessee Congressman, uh, America First House Representative, weighed in on this, and, and let's hear him and uh, hear how he tore into Congressman Shift. Congressman Luna, for leading the charge to hold our Democrat counterparts responsible for their gross misuse of power. Adam Shift abused his power of chairman of the House Intelligence Committee to create false narratives that were sold to the American people about President Trump. The Mueller report and Durham report both proved that the basis for the so-called Russian collusion investigation was non-existent. The representative from California misled the American people and compromised the interests of the United States of America in service of defeating, persecuting, attacking, and defaming President Donald Trump. Mr. Speaker, he was hasty, he was prejudiced, and he was wrong. It's clear he was concerned for no one but himself and the advance, advancement of the Democratic Party. Their political agenda, $32 million later, the American people are left with lies and the obligation to pick up the tab for this boondoggle of a political witch hunt. The representative from California prioritized personal political gain over the interests of our nation, and he more than deserves to be censured by the People's House. The Democratic Party has allowed an invasion on our southern border, border, where every small town in America is now a border town. Every one of us knows someone that's been poisoned or overdosed because of fentanyl. Illegals are raping and killing people across our country. And what do they do? They claim to have a solution and they have none. Mr. Speaker, I thank you for your time. I yield back. And yield back he did. We, we don't hear from the Tennessee congressman enough. I'd love to get him on the show soon. We've reached out. Uh, he, he, he brings it whenever he does get a chance to speak. And, uh, you know, you, you, you can't, you, you have to, painting a picture throughout the show, we've had the Durham investigation heavily involved Adam Schiff. We roll that into his censorship. We're going to run into some more troubles for the Biden family in our next new segment. After we sit down with uh, Richard Barris for the first time, the People's Pundit's going to be joining us in just a few minutes. I also want to remind everybody, no matter where you're listening today, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio, please subscribe to the show, rate it, leave a review, and then across all of our social medias, Twitter, Getter, True Social, Instagram, find the Steak for Breakfast podcast, follow the account, hit the notification bell. Anytime stuff pertinent to the show is getting cranked out, it's going to be delivered directly to you. America First Congressman who delivers directly to you on Steak for Breakfast quite often, Corey Mills, who should be joining us again next week. 
He was going to try and get in today, but he ran into some busyness amongst his schedule. Uh, also spoke on the House floor, and there was a lot of great congressmen and women who, who you know, kind of laid it out there ahead of the vote. I think Harry Hagman had a real good one as well. So did Mary Miller. But, you know, Corey Mills has been working on a lot of stuff behind the scenes. He's already drafted uh, on more than one occasion articles of impeachment for Joe Biden. And, uh, you know, any time that we're going to be able to actually hang something on the Democrats at, at, with a heavy enough weight as a censorship, uh, I'm glad that he's involved. Let's hear him. Speaker, I rise in favor of HRES 521 to censure and condemn Congressman Adam Schiff. The bottom line is this. Congressman Schiff utilized his position and hid behind classifications to mislead the American people. He abused his congressional authority and security clearance to push his own party's political agenda. This was not meant to be an unbiased jurisdiction of change. This was meant to be a political witch hunt. When members are appointed to select committees on intelligence, they are trusted with privileged information, and other members of the House are taking them for their word. As someone who had worked within the intelligence community, I can tell you that our classifications that we're available to take and read is not to be abused for our own ulterior motives. Mm. I hope my colleagues will join Congresswoman Luna to censure and hold Congressman Schiff accountable and to put an end of the waste, fraud, and abuse, and the gross neglect in how we take advantage of the American people. With that, I... Mm. Doing work for us. Yep. It's important work. It's important. And as much as I love what they've done, because obviously they failed at the first vote, you know, 20 Republicans voted not to, to censure uh, Watermelon Head, and then they, you know, whipped the votes... But and I believe still, Roan, right? Some were just voted present, or there were no votes. I didn't get the. I believe the the, uh, the one the way uh, Luna put it out on her Twitter was I, I think a majority of the ones on the Republican side that voted just present are on the investigative committee that are still looking into some of this stuff. So okay. to, to go and vote yes on a vote like that might show that they have a bias going into their own investigations. That's understandable. Meanwhile, if it was the other way, the Democrats who were investigating it would still vote. In, 100% in the favor yes. You know, like like Adam Schiff, who literally wrote a book exploiting the events of January 6th while sitting on the investigation committee and the, the, the January 6th kangaroo committee. And, and how, how that's not an ethics violation is, is beyond me. But this is good. What will the ethics committee find out? I, I, I have no... Uh, no optimism that, that anything is going to happen. There you go. But again, again, yeah. he is a treasonous piece of shit. And we and the American people know it. And I, I'm I'm glad they see it. But is it enough? Probably not. Is Absolutely he going anywhere? Not. Probably not. Is he gonna fundraise off this? Probably. Is he going to become the senator out of California? Probably. Oof. And it's just disgusting. It is. Let's hear the vote, make it official on the House floor, and then we'll segue right to shift jumping on CNN. It's adoption of House Resolution 521. The House has resolved that the House of... Oh, me, Listen to these idiots. They love treason season, Democrats. I have all night. <laughs> By its adoption of House Resolution 521, the House has resolved... 
that the House of Representatives censures Adam Schiff, representative of the 30th Congressional District of California, <laughs> for misleading the American public Shut up. And for, and for conduct unbecoming of an elected member of the House of Representatives, <laughs> that Representative Adam Schiff will be forthwith present himself in the well of the House of Representatives for the pronouncement of censure. That Representative Adam Schiff will be censured with the public reading of this resolution by the Speaker. And that the Committee on Ethics shall conduct an investigation into Representative Adam Schiff's falsehoods, misrepresentations, and abuse of sensitive information. Sounds like oh. They should have to parade them around the Capitol naked, around the halls, like in Game of Thrones. Any regrets on, on how you handle the Russia issue? Obviously, the former president was never criminally implicated for anything involving Russia. Oh. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, I think the investigation of his misconduct was very important. Uh, it ultimately led to his impeachment, which I was proud to lead. Uh, and it led to the first bipartisan vote to remove a president in U.S. history. Uh, I was also proud to serve on the January 6th committee, and I would do all of that again. And I would do it the same way. Sure you would. So there's that. <laughs> what an absolute embarrassment that guy is. And, and as Alan pointed to just a minute ago, he is probably going to be the next senator uh, from the state of California running for the open seat. I mean, I know the Republican candidate running right now. I think he's the only Republican. And the rest of the field is Democrat. There's three of them. Uh, Eric Early was leading in the, in the most recent poll over Adam Schiff by a couple points. But, you know, that's going to tighten up as we get ready to head to the ballot box. So, Weird kind of historic days, all while all this other BS is going on. We're really going to get into the meat and potatoes of uh, what the actual news cycle is. Once we get back from uh, our next interview, we've got Richard Barris, the People's Pundit, coming in here now. But before we jump in with him, let's hear again from one of our partners. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house, our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is hand-picked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. The cigars are hand-rolled each three years. If you get a promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's the director of Big Data Poll, and he's the host of Inside the Numbers. Joining us for the first time, really excited to host Rich Barris. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I was looking forward to it. Great to host you. I mean, we've tracked each other for a long time. We've talked a little bit, and, and finally we were able to uh, meet up here on Steak for Breakfast. We're, we're really honored to host you and uh, can't wait to talk about something that we love getting into on the show well, I don't want to sound cliche, but inside the numbers here with some of these polls, I mean, you're tracking yeah. just about all the numbers that are going on across the country right now. Obviously, everybody's laser focused on the GOP primary and the rising stock of President Trump. What can you tell our listenership is the absolute latest? So, you know, with, with these indictments, uh, you know, the, there really is two things that we should be looking at in the primary and then his status in the general election, because the anti-Trump forces, you know, collectively uh, on the right, let's say. 
they have moved in and they did this from the very beginning they they moved uh back to the norm of electability this is an argument that for people who have been around a long time that shouldn't surprise anyone it shouldn't be new to anybody we heard this from john mccain we heard it from Mitt romney this is the uh go-to playbook uh for the for the you know the establishment class the 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 ruling class and that has not borne out to be true. So Trump clearly uh, is performing better than other candidates against Joe Biden and Kamala Harris or any other candidates uh, that we pitted him against. And curious as to whether these indictments would deteriorate that support at all. And the answer is no, it hasn't. And in the primary, it's been a static race. This has been a race uh, with one top tier candidate. It's not even really a race if we're being totally honest. There's one top tier candidate. And then there's a bunch of bottom tier candidates uh, vying for the right to be the replacement in case their dream scenario comes along, which is that Donald Trump is not able to continue in the primary anymore. So that's the reality here. And I really feel like if we don't acknowledge that reality, then we're um, helping the lawfare narrative. We're helping the people who are engaging in that narrative. And just to give a real quick comparison, in 2012, Rick Santorum won the Iowa caucus. Newt Gingrich won the South Carolina primary. By the way, the South Carolina primary was the leading predictive indicator of who would be the nominee. And yet the ruling class persisted in telling the primary voter Mitt Romney was more electable and that he was the inevitable nominee. And and eventually that's what won him the nomination. In 2016, Trump changed politics and that stopped being effective. Republicans declared their independence from like Fox News and the, uh, you know, and the big donors who would beat them on the head with TV ads every 30 seconds on television. So now moving into this this cycle, you know, which is really the first one since 2016, where we would test, uh, you know, the the strategies again. And it does seem to be that the um, that the new right is holding out. They're holding strong against all of this, uh, you know, this attempt to, to stop it. And even though they're there in physicality and, you know, there is a large clump of GOP meat underneath Donald Trump separated by a large margin right now, regardless yeah. of what we're hearing in, in the legacy media and the print press, when, when you l- analyze the data that's coming in, you don't see Donald Trump having to really fear anything, not only in the first five primaries, which is, you know, New Hampshire, the Iowa caucuses, et cetera, South Carolina, but heading into Super Tuesday, he looks just as strong as he does in the early primaries as well. Isn't that the case? It is the case. And I would love to get into some of those key demographics that make up this, uh, these early states and then the Super Tuesday states, because this is something I've been talking about for months. When Let's go back to January when Ron DeSantis in our poll got as high as 31% and Trump was as low as 43 the truth is, is that really, uh, you know, some of that working class base of, of Trump's a little bit went back to undecided. But for the most part, they stuck with him at at least a, a Trump plus 30 margin. It was the college educated voter, which will not dominate these early states and these primaries that that, uh, you know, were kind of wavering and going back and forth. They never solidly went behind another candidate. They really just went to undecided and someone else. And now, by the way, they've went back to Donald Trump. If you look at the early schedule, Trump is very clearly favored in Iowa. He's and they need to stop him in Iowa. And that I know that is the plan. Uh, DeSantis 
there's a lot of money and he's a lot of people on the ground and he's going to try to pull off a miracle there. But once you get into New Hampshire, he's very obviously clearly dominant there. Nevada is just too non-white, even in a they move from there's a lawsuit going on now, but they passed the law to turn it from a caucus to a primary. So this is something new that should actually help Trump because the party could organize in a caucus where they can't really organize in a primary. I mean, so it will be more non-white. I mean, if you remember in 16, Rubio tried to dent, you know, make a dent in his support with Hispanics and Trump ran away with them in the Republican caucus. Now it'll be a primary. So it'll it, it's going to be even harder to stop him in a state like Nevada. And so that's January 2nd to February 6th. The 24th is South Carolina. That new poll that came out today, and if you look at the rules, which is something we've been doing on the show uh, recently, because we, we have to look at these polls. The, you know, Trump is in the 40s in South Carolina in this new poll. DeSantis is at 18%. It's basically a winner-take-most state. There are district delegates each district getting three delegates that are allocated on a winner-take-all basis. There's no threshold. So if Trump carries the district then with 45%, he takes all three. Then there are 29 at-large delegates for the state that are also allocated on a winner-take-all uh, basis with no threshold. So if you look at just the recent polling, that is indica in, in, indicative that Trump takes every single delegate, 50 delegates from South Carolina. Not one delegate would go to Ron DeSantis. Not one. And then, uh, you know, there's only Michigan before those Super Tuesday states in every Super Tuesday state. And folks, <laughs> there's a lot of delegates on Super Tuesday. Even in California has the most delegates. Trump is polling right now. It's a winner take most system, but he's polling right now above 50%, which would turn it into winner take all. And he would take every single delegate, 169, um, you know, out, that are up for grabs. Same thing with Texas. He's polling so strong in Texas that he would turn a winner take most into conceivably at least almost all of those, close to all of those delegates. And then the rest of those states, there's only one. That is really in question. That's Utah. Oklahoma, um, you know, is a little bit funny of a system, but Oklahoma, you know, it's 43 delegates. I mean, compared to everything else, that night would be a blockbuster night for the former president. So, I mean, when we look at the math and the data on this, it really is time to let reality sink in. Those are mostly winner take all states, ex winner take most, except for Alaska, which is proportional, and Virginia, which is proportional. And even Trump's lead in Virginia is so big that he's going to take the lion's share of those delegates. So folks, I mean, again, I think it's important that we stay on planet Earth when we talk about this stuff. And it's going to become very difficult to catch him. So again, when I look at these numbers, I think, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I'm a pollster. And when I look at these numbers, I think to myself, there's really only one way to stop this guy. And that's somehow remove him, you know, and that's obviously the plan. Yeah, when you talk about the lawfare that's been waged against the Trump team, you know, since he came down the golden escalator, it's really gone yeah. off the charts in the last couple of weeks, obviously, with the indictment in Miami federal court about two weeks ago. But, you know, even with the appeals process now, I think like they're going for a combination of seeing how many millstones they can hang around his neck with delegitimizing him as a candidate in, in the legacy media, uh, a la some of the things they used. In the, well, the Time Magazine article highlighted it the best, you know, the fortification of the 2020 election that essentially saved the galaxy or whatever they wanted to call it. But, <laughs> you know, that's that's the only way we kind of look at it. But, but his popularity, regardless, continues to rise. So it seems like every time he's dragged into federal court and makes a public appearance – 
Granted, they're organic because he's forced to do so. It seems like the American public starts to fall back in love with Donald Trump again when they go home and see their bank account every two weeks, their 401k, the fact that their kids can't do as many activities or, or, or maybe their kids are doing more activities because you're working two or three jobs. And then just geopolitically, can you believe, you know, Secretary of State Tony Blinken had such a disastrous trip to Beijing last week and that completely got washed off the radar by Hunter Biden's DOJ sweetheart deal and, you know, the Titanic uh <laughs> tour guide that 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 crashed the submarine i mean this is just absolutely wild yeah and i think too some of this is built into the cake when we talk about these indictments that keep rolling in i know that the plan like you said is to just keep hanging things around his neck to see eventually how much you can put around there to weigh him down finally but six months ago we did ask people whether or not they expected biden's department of justice to indict Donald Trump, to try to stop him, to interfere with the election. And the you know, big majority, it's about six, almost 60%, believe that was going to happen. So it's you had Bragg come out first, which was a, a really a ridiculous charge. Yeah. And I feel like maybe if this new one would have come out first, maybe it would have had more impact. But I really don't think so, because at the end of the day, um, Biden, it's going to be with third party candidates or not, it's going to be a binary choice. It's not going to hurt him with Republicans. And then when he gets to a general, the reason I think it hasn't deteriorated his support at all is because people aren't stupid. They 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 kind of feel they got duped with that Hunter Biden laptop cover up. Sure. And now. Yeah. And now I just feel like that, you know, Biden, they look at as as like, you know, who are you to talk? Well, I mean, Donald Trump, his last two, you know, rounds of polls that come out of show him uh, clearly defining, starting to gain separation on, on Joe Biden in the general election cycle. And, you know, I've talked to a couple of D.C. insiders this week, one that's officially attached to the Ron DeSantis campaign and one who yeah. who works up in the uh, chief of staff's office on Capitol Hill. And they both said some of the, the warning signs that they're seeing ahead of the general election is non-whites and, and how big of a factor. Someone told me today, actually, that they could see as much as 20 percent of the non non-white vote that Joe Biden got in 2020 abandoned him for the upcoming election. Do you think there's any uh, reality behind that? This is one of the major drivers. There's a few of them, but one of the major drivers between speaking of separation, you know, a couple of months ago, maybe it wasn't the case, but it's very clearly the case now. Ron DeSantis falling, you know, five, six points behind Trump in some of these contests against Biden. It's younger and non-white voters. And it's there was a great article in Politico uh, with people that surrounded Biden, and they were very frantic over this. I saw, you know, after that article came out, there was a CNN panel about it. They were having a, a, a canary because the underclass below 30,000, that's one group that's still stuck with Democrats, stuck with Joe Biden, even stuck with Hillary Clinton, yet Trump leads with them now. And then Trump gets a significantly larger share of the black vote than any other Republican does, double digit more. But it's really when it comes to Hispanics, Republicans were not able without Donald Trump on the ballot. Republicans were not able to do as well and continue that trend in 2022. But everywhere we polled, Trump uh, had you know a larger advantage or was outperforming the gubernatorial candidates, the Senate candidates. And that is something that's starting to sink into them now. And I can, I can tell you, you know, uh, this really goes to what you were just saying. People, Democrats uh, that we have spoken with, 
they're not afraid of anybody but Donald Trump. That's they're, they're not concerned. And maybe afraid is not the no, the word, but they're not concerned. They know he's a turnout machine, and they also fear that Joe Biden has not put the money behind, uh, and he just doesn't have the infrastructure that he had in twenty to put in place this get out the vote, this get gather the vote. Really, it's not get out the vote; it's gather the vote, yeah. uh, harvest the vote. They don't have the money behind it, and Trump is a natural turnout machine. So between the demographic shifts. And then the, the the structural issues that they see on the ground, they are getting concerned. And everybody, uh, you know, everybody in the Beltway knows this. Uh, so again, I I I really think that it's should be the biggest story in polling right now. That if and and it would be if Donald Trump would have won in 2020, we'd still be talking about this. But you could actually see this trend in 2020 with uh, younger voters in certain states, Florida being one of them, and non-white voters in various states. And because he lost, I think he got swept under the rug. And now it's that trend is exact is getting exacerbated somewhat. I think this is just a little bit of a leading theory. We're doing some research on it now, but. I, this is one of my leading leading theories in my own head. Uh, I think these indictments are actually making him somewhat relatable to, to like black voters under 40, um, Hispanic voters as well. I think that there's a certain level of whether it's you know right or not, there's a certain feeling that they are beaten down by the system, by the man, and that sure. they're being persecuted. And they see it happening to Trump and they think, you know, I, I got something in common with him. You know, I, I know it sounds a little bit nuts, but you know, as a white guy, um, you know, it's hard for maybe me to understand, but, uh, other people out there that I'm talking to about this, they, they get it almost like it's, how could you not understand that they relate to that? So I think that's something that's very, uh, real. And it's right now to me, one of the more convincing explanations that he is so much further ahead than Haley, DeSantis, Pence, he is doing so much better with these non-white voters than any other Republican. No, oh, he certainly is, and I'm starting to I'm starting to feel a little bit optimistic here. I think. Well, I, I, one of the biggest contributing factors, I think, also, and this kind of is outside of the numbers, but America was founded on, and and we have come to really cheer on the underdog. And Donald Trump yeah. is right now sitting at the center of a perfect storm where his numbers continue to rise, but his stock, as far as being the underdog, is kind of rising as well. And as he becomes kind of like this folk hero in politics, we call him a once-in-a-lifetime political icon, to say the least about him sometimes. But he's just riding this, and it's like all he's doing is busting out policy platforms. You know, he's hitting some, he's making fun of Ron DeSantis, he's calling Chris Christie, like, <laughs> disgusting slob on, on Fox News with Brett Baer, just under his breath a little bit. <laughs> all the stuff we love about him. But, you know... It's a lot, and I know they're ramping up stuff for the January 6th. There's there's a ton of people on the Trump team who who have been called to D.C. to start giving uh, depositions there, which was kind of breaking news on our show today. Uh, but, you know, we're just going to continue to track, and we're going to continue to follow everything you've got going on, Rich. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today for the first time. I sure as hell hope it's not the last. We're going to live link uh, your website in the show description, but for anyone that's not following you, where can we find you on Twitter? The uh, on Twitter at people's underscore pundit on getter without the underscore just at at people's pundit best place always to follow me is on locals people's pundit.locals.com that's the central hub of, of pretty much everything we uh, we do over there. Absolutely love it and we absolutely loved hosting you today. This is the host of inside the numbers Rich Paris thanks for joining us on steak for breakfast. 
My pleasure. All the best. House committee released testimony today from two IRS whistleblowers who say the DOJ, the FBI, and their IRS superiors improperly interfered with their investigation of Hunter Biden, who agreed to a plea deal this week. Garrett Haig joins us. Garrett, what do the whistleblowers have to say? Lester, these two senior IRS agents allege that the president's son received preferential treatment throughout the five-year tax investigation that resulted in two misdemeanor guilty pleas this week. In testimony released by a Republican-led House committee, the agents accused the DOJ and the FBI of slow-walking portions of the investigation to Hunter Biden's benefit, and that efforts by the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney leading the probe to charge more serious crimes were blocked. A DOJ spokesman tonight denied any such interference. One whistleblower also provided what he says are WhatsApp messages from Hunter Biden to a Chinese business associate from 2017, in which the younger Biden says he's sitting with his father waiting on a response to a proposal and that he and the then former vice president will make the business partner regret not responding. Now, NBC News has not yet confirmed the authenticity of that message. The White House tonight says President Biden has upheld his commitment to let this investigation proceed free of any political interference. Hunter Biden's attorneys have not responded to our request for comment. So there was that. And, and you know, we've been talking about that with a lot of our guests, especially ones who had, uh, you know, worked within uh, the D.C. circuit over the course of the first Trump administration for the last few weeks. We now are starting to get, you know, more progressive and uh, liberal outlets in the legacy media like CBS to actually cover it. That was creepy Lester Holt with the lead in there before he threw it to the field reporter. And uh, yeah, it seemed like even though Joe Biden and Merrick Garland said their hands off and, and as transparent as transparency can be, uh, every single whistleblower that's come forward so far has said they have never seen so many uh, judicial and constitutional and, and just unlawful roadblocks than you could ever imagine. And it's gotten to the point to where people from like literally the administrative state are defecting and running to Congress and to the media to say like, okay, I've seen some weird shit. This is weirder than than the the P tapes, the Trump tapes. You know what I'm saying? And this probably is a uh, th there's a lot of credibility to this. What do you guys no, think? Uh, the it, the IRS whistleblowers literally. Yeah. I mean, they laid it out. They laid out that the IRS recommended charges against Hunter Biden. We're talking uh, attempt to evade and defeat taxes, which is a felony. Uh, fraud and false statements uh, to the, whether it's the IRS or the Justice Department, I don't know, but it's a felony. Uh, the willful uh, failure to, to, to file tax returns, uh, supply any tax information or even pay taxes, where, you know, unreported taxes on global income from places like you know, Ukraine, Romania, China. That's, you know, over $17 million from like 2014 to 2019. And, and blocking search warrants, like the Justice Department's effort in blocking search warrants and, and just to blatantly, again, just cover up Hunter Biden's tax crimes. And, what will happen to these whistleblowers? The Democrats will do anything they can, just like they did to the FBI whistleblowers. Uh, if, and I didn't see, I don't know if any of it was was televised. I've been kind of out of the loop the last couple of days. But um, they'll just go on and try to demoralize these people, treat them as disgruntled rogue employees of the IRS and just anything they can to, to, to discredit them like they always do. But we know we know that they've received tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, Joe Biden, I think they said, uh, personally received over $8 million um, mm -hmm. it, with, with all this nonsense. The big guy, and I'm sure he got more than that. Sure. And felony charges. And then what happens? Hunter Biden just 
gets out of what is out of Delaware. He gets a slap on the wrist, ultimately a speeding ticket for uh, tax crimes and a federal gun charge. Like you're not going to do a day in jail. You're not going to have to do anything. Don't worry. Daddy DOJ will take care of you. Mm. Even cash, even cash Patel was, he said yes uh, on Tuesday, he's tried hundreds of cases, you know, and that is like unprecedented. Yeah. Especially the tax stuff. Like they yeah. throw they throw your ass in jail for that stuff. Doesn't matter if you're like Martha Stewart or, or some scumbag drug dealer off the street. If you've got money com- coming into your account, you're going to friggin' jail. And then you know, I saw Cash Patel on the, on his season finale of his show. He actually read between the lines and found a clause in in, in the gun registration laws that said. Believe it or not, they don't have to announce it or make an official statement or even put out a press release about it. But during the course of an investigation, if an assistant U.S. attorney general finds that they can waive lies that you've told on your gun registration paperwork, then they just go away. Wow. Yes. And, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, you know, Cash has the, the video set up and, and he had the, the statute and he had the sub clause and it was right there as clear as day. And it's just like, yeah, they could pretty much wave a fake magical wand and, and, and just make it go away. Um, so, so now we know where the gun charge went. President Trump <laughs> was quick to weigh in on this news that broke, uh, you know, throughout the course of the week. He put out a truth social post this morning. Hunter sent a WhatsApp message demanding that payments from a Chinese businessman while he was sitting with his father, Joe, according to the bombshell testimony from an IRS whistleblower. The president's son was staying at the guest house of the Bidens in Delaware home when he wrote to the Communist Party official Henry Zhao on July 30, 2017, threatening him to follow his orders. The IRS whistleblower then states that they were blocked from getting the search warrant even after the DOJ learned about the messages. And then he went on to post the messages. It's a screenshot from the Hunter Biden laptop. I'll, it's written in retard English. To be honest with you, <laughs> I'm kind of retarded. But I will try to, uh, you know, translate it for our listenership. This is from supposedly Hunter to this, this businessman, Henry Zhao. I am sitting here with father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand, and now means tonight. And Z, if I get the call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, and now it goes into all caps, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me, which is Joe Biden, and every other person he knows, and my ability to forever hold a grudge, that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. And that's the end of the text message. So, it's amazing. Sounds like and that oh, wow. sounds like all their business dealings, right? Whether it's Joe Biden getting the prosecutor in Ukraine fired to, you know, business dealings like this. And then, of course, all the crap that Joe Biden's brother did in Iraq with, you know, essentially building track homes there and the money laundering that they committed tens of millions of dollars doing that. It's just an absolute disgrace, uh, you know, the way that this family has operated for so long. And it's been, I mean, we all want to talk about, you know, there's Nancy Pelosi, uh, you know, stock trader websites. And everybody wants to talk about how AOC had $27 in her bank account. And now she's worth $27 million, you know, over the course of like two terms as a congresswoman. But, but the fact of the matter is this is the way it is. Like they're just going after this guy right now because they're actually getting some pushback. There's people who have worked in these uh, agencies and, and facets of the federal government for so long who have seen it change and, and downtrend 
to the point to where, like, we are literally tanking presidential elections for this bullshit while these people get fat off the land. And it seems like the only person who didn't profit off of any of this over the course of the last, what, 250, almost 250 years that our country's, you know, basically been one is Donald Trump. His bank account's gone directly the opposite direction. He's lost billions of dollars. He's lost major investments. He's lost properties and, uh, you know, business dealings and hasn't made them. So No, and not to mention, served as commander-in-chief for free. For free. Right. For free. Yeah. He did not take a salary. And it still amazes me how many people say how he capitalized for his own financial gain, gain using the presidency. Well, where is that? Show me that because his bank account did nothing but go down. Yep. Like, I, I don't understand it. Um, it's wild. And meanwhile, you know, you have assistant U.S. attorneys in Delaware rejecting search warrants for Joe Biden's home back in 2020. Or calling and, them and, to give them the heads up that they're coming yes. days ahead of time. Yeah. Exactly. And storage lockers and everything else and dealings with, you know, Chinese energy companies that are effectively an arm of the CCP. It's wild, it's scary, and we are beyond down a dark road. We're we're in the we're in the dark, we're well within the dark realm of evil. And it it sounds stupid. Those words sound stupid, um, but it's true. It's the it's waning true. hours of the republic right now. And yeah. and you know, for every single one of these congressmen and women that they want to delegitimize or say is just like grandstanding, you know, uh, I think it was uh Who's, who's the house rep with cancer? It's Raskin, right? Raskin, yeah. I mean, he during the shift uh, censorship hearing, he got up there and said, you know, the, the, the party of Lincoln and Lincolnism has turned into, like, full-on Luna and, like, Trumpism. He made some kind of bullshit analogy. What does that like, even mean? What does that mean? What does that have to do with the situation either? You know, it's just right. like, he says that, it gets played on all the TV networks, and people are like, well, yeah. Maybe it is that. And it's like the same thing with the way the FBI and DOJ released rooms full of boxes when they raided Mar-a-Lago. And, uh, you know, when when only 106 pages were cited in the indictment. Um, and, and the same thing with January 6th. You know, that's relevant to the show today because of the event uh, Alan attended last night. doesn't matter who talks about it. If it's not on an extremely conservative program, the only thing you're getting is pictures of, like, people pushing on cops. And that's it. You know, or people walking out of the Congress with the lectern or, you know, whatever, the Buffalo man walking into the to the uh, combined chamber. And it's just, yeah, th that's what they like to do. They like to paint a different picture than reality and conditioning the American public. You have to be able to break out of that mold. You have to be able to process news in, like, the real way, not the way that, you know, for so long you've been conditioned to digest it. Um, the House wanted to jump right on this. Uh, that report from Lester Holt and CBS News was following a, a press conference, an emergency one that the House held. Uh, after finding out about this information, let's check it out. Department of Justice is intervening and overstepping when it comes to the investigation of the president's son. Despite what whistleblowers described as a clear-cut case for tax liability on these payments, IRS investigators say they found themselves hamstrung internally. The testimony we have just released details a lack of U.S. attorney independence, recurring unjustified delays, unusual actions outside the normal course of any investigation, a lack of transparency across the investigation and prosecution teams, and bullying and threats from the defense counsel. 
This was a campaign of delay, divulge, and deny. Whistleblowers say reoccurring unjustified delays pervaded the investigation, including an authenticating a WhatsApp message in which Hunter Biden demands payment from Chinese officials, noting that his father is in the room. And here's the thing. If you just insert Devin Nunes or Amanda Milius or Cash Patel behind that podium and have them read the exact same card, this yeah. is the exact same thing that we ran into during the Crossfire Hurricane investigation, yep. where we had caught them scheming this plan, executing this plan, spying on a presidential candidate and other U.S. citizens, you know, everybody from uh, Carter Page to, and, and, you know, take it all the way up through the inauguration. This behavior continued and was all exposed. And now we're starting to see that these agencies have kind of doubled down on that standard practice of the way they're going to work when it's not their team or their candidate or their president or president's crackhead son who's the ones being investigated. And it's really, you know, starting to come to light now. It's just the fact of the matter is what do we do with it? You know, I, I think the biggest thing that everybody bitches about all the time is where do all these things lead? And I just want to remind everybody that's listening, you know, we're entering a, a general election cycle that only comes around every four years where there's a president at the top of the ticket. And if we don't retain the house and, and increase the numbers by, you know, anywhere between eight to 12 there and, and get a little bit more of a majority and don't win back the Senate, it doesn't matter. Jesus could win president in 2024 if he doesn't have the votes legislation's not going to be getting passed if he starts executive ordering everything uh and just writing them off not the day one stupid stuff where you try to erase your predecessor's legacy but you know down the road it's like well i didn't win the house and senate or, or i've only got one or two chambers so i'm just going to eo everything then you're going to wind up you know really running into some issues with the administrative state, probably seeing a couple more impeachments coming down the road too. So winning the House and Senate is just as important as winning the presidency in 2024, and there's no in-between. Don't you guys agree? 100%. 100%, yeah. Well, the day didn't get any better for the Democrats, and the Biden family especially. Uh, we'll talk about just what kind of a weird level passed over in the House, kind of Kevin McCarthy doing his bullshit is but we're going to hear from congressman byron donalds first talking about impeaching joe biden it is my belief and the belief of many members on our side of the aisle that this resolution should go to the homeland security committee so they can fully debate and go to the depths upon which joe biden has been derelict in his duty to execute the laws with respect to immigration in the united states which has major impacts on the American people. There are 100,000 Americans who have died from fentanyl overdoses because of his dereliction of duty. We have the drug cartels on our southern border who have operational control of the southern border because of his dereliction of duty. And if the president and congressional Democrats actually took the time to investigate this, like going to the southern border, they would know this too. I support this resolution. Gentlemen's time. Members should be in support of Gentlemen's it. Gentlemen's time's well. expired. So apparently there's more articles of impeachment. This one's crafted by Colorado Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, and they are going after Joe Biden for all things related to the disaster on the U.S. southern border, uh, which is a top five issue heading into the next presidential election cycle in 2024, and definitely something where you've seen 
you know, just about everybody within the Department of Homeland Security, especially uh, in the law enforcement apparatus, leave over the course of the last six months. I believe the commissioners for the Border Patrol, Customs and Border Protection, and ICE have all resigned or retired. Uh, DHS did make a big hire today. I don't know if you guys heard about it. Um, former lockdown enthusiast and strong supporter of the war in Ukraine, Teachers Union National what? Representative and President Randy Weingarten. What? Signed, no. a, signed, signed a contract with the Department of Homeland Security today. What she's going to be doing still hasn't been announced. It's, it's crept underneath the newswire in the last hour or so out here on the West Coast. She's uh, going to be the lockdown czar, the lord of lockdowns. Listen. That's fucking wild. I mean, you've seen her when she's testified before Congress and has snapped back at people for literally ruining a generation of children. Yeah. Well, well, think of it. You know, my daughter's last day of school was today. So, you know, most schools are out this week. It's summer. Uh, I know on the West Coast, they're out already. But, um, you know, what are we going to concoct uh, over the summer, are we going to have you know another scamdemic, or or are we going to have some sort of smog roll in and have you know uh, attempt to lock down people in certain areas to to test it out uh, due to the Canadian climate? Fog. And is she gonna? What is her? What is her position going to be? How do you go from being a sick leftist school union leader to now? signing a contract with the Department of Homeland Security. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's wild. It is wild. Yeah. Listen, the Dems, especially the radical progressives, they will always try to sneak a big one in when everybody's looking to hit up happy hour and call it a half day on Friday. And I just saw it randomly come up on my Twitter feed when I was pulling up to the studio today and I was like, what? And I clicked on it and it said, yeah, she's been given a title. Still to be determined with the Department of Homeland Security. That was made official today. So, you know, out of all the people that have left the Department of Homeland Security over the course of the last half year, the person who should have been gone on day one, Alejandro Mayorkas, still sits as the head of the agency. But we'll have to see where that goes. I do want to get to the articles of impeachment and then break it down just a little bit. Let's hear Congresswoman Lauren Boebert present on the House floor. Office of the President of the United States and and to the best of his ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States, and in violation of his constitutional duty to take care that the laws be faithfully executed, Joseph R. Biden Jr. has abused the powers of the office of the President of the United States. In fact, using the powers of his office, President Biden has knowingly presided over an executive branch that has continuously overtly and consistently violated federal immigration law by pursuing an aggressive open borders agenda, by purposefully and knowingly releasing more than two million illegal aliens into the interior of the United States without the intention or ability to ensure that they appear in immigration court to face asylum or deportation proceedings. President Biden, has intentionally facilitated a complete and total invasion at the southern border. President Biden ended the migrant protection protocols to require aliens seeking asylum to remain in Mexico while being processed by the Department of Homeland Security. President Biden has closed Department of Homeland Security detention facilities and refused to cooperate with the state and local law enforcement officials. 
And, you know, that's a whole bunch of stuff that we've heard on the show for a long time. Whether it's Tom Homan talking about the ICE facilities and the tens of thousands of beds that are vacant because of the Biden administration's catch-and-release policy, or, or whether it's, you know, the amount of people on the terrorist most wanted list, the amount this year, which is now over 125, has eclipsed all of the ones who were apprehended during the course of the four years of the Trump administration. Um, and that's not including getaways. We have no idea who has come into this country. I mean, we've seen so many instances where people who are high-ranking, uh, you know, People of interest on, on terrorist watch lists, whether it be from Interpol or the FBI, or the CIA, get caught on our southern border now. And when they talk about getaways over the course of the now nearly three years being in the millions, you could only assume that some, I guess, as Donald Trump so elegantly puts it, bad hombres have made it into the country and are probably here to stay until they do whatever they intend to nefariously do here. 100%. I, I got to say, though, with this whole impeachment thing, and I was looking at a Gateway Pundit article earlier. Sure. You know, and... and uh, Kevin McCarthy, and I'm not a big fan of his, and he says now is not the time to talk impeaching Biden. Yep. And I'm not I'm not saying I agree with him, but I huh. am saying that, and especially everything that Congresswoman Boebert was just saying, we were just listening to. I say go after it's 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 like a a giant ice sculpture, and we have to just keep chipping away at it. Why aren't we just focusing? on bulletproof arguments and bulletproof articles of impeachment and investigations of uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, number one. My yeah. plan would be him, number one, mm -hmm. for basically just violating uh, immigration law and, and, and policy and letting the border explode and then working our way up. All right, let's look at Merrick Garland now. Who else do we got on, on the chopping block? Oh, Janet okay. Yellen, Mayor P. Janet Yellen, you know. Joe Biden, I'm sorry, everybody. Joe Biden's not going anywhere no. unless the Democrats are getting rid of them himself under, you know, uh, a 25th Amendment or something else. And, and, and bringing in another prime, maybe Big Mike's going to come in and, and he's a placeholder. She's going to end up running for president. He's not going anywhere. And I think, again, this as much as it sounds great and we want to. Yeah, we're going to impeach Joe Biden. Let's let's stop the bullshit. He's not going anywhere. And whether Mayorkas or Garland would go anywhere. I, I, I think we would have better shots at them if they concentrated on them. Yeah. Uh, totally it's just agree. me. I... No, I mean, that's an excellent point. I mean, what happened was there was no vote on the House floor for impeachment. And what that did, it saved face in, 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 you know, going up against the Democrats who would try to table it and then kill it in the womb. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> McCarthy then, you know, they, they essentially play like a game where now they could send the articles of impeachment that were drafted by Lauren Boebert to the Judiciary and Homeland Security Committees for further investigation. Once they have their, uh, you know, dispositions on the, those investigations, they can, again, be presented to the full House. Um, Boebert also refused to present her plan for to meet all of the House Republicans, telling Fox News it was a waste of time. So that's kind of an interesting component of it. Impeachment is, uh, you know, when, when you talk about things like impeachment, it's not going to be the 20. It's not just going to be the House Freedom Caucus. It's not going to be like even the America First curious people, the people that yeah. usually vote with party lines, like the 87 percenters and up. It, it's usually everyone within the Republican Party. Um, so we're going to kind of have to see where this goes because, you know, this is something that, like, Alan said, Joe Biden's not going anywhere. And, you know, House Republicans are not really have a good track record of, of just voting on impeachments, the, especially when you talk about people like the president, but even more so with cabinet members. That's almost an unprecedented move. I think there's been like, what, one removed ever? 
uh, for impeachment. And, yeah, you know, you just have to kind of look at it from an angle of uh, there are so much other things that we need to be focused on right now. Like, especially if we put all of our resources towards less of that and more towards into supporting the House Judiciary and Oversight Committees into the investigations into the Biden family and see if there's really a there there that we could legally tie Joe Biden and the rest of his family members to. We all know they exist. It's just you're running up against the clock. And then, you know, we're a few months away from literally being into the election cycle, you know, the last 11 months heading into next November. And I just feel like there's a, a large amount of time um, that we don't have on our side to get things done. So, you know, I, I, I see it. I get it. But, you know, there's Hunter Biden attended a state dinner last night at the White House. It was a tuxedo event with the with the PM of India. Modi was in town. And instead of like, you know, last week he was in family court skirting child support payments. This week he was getting off scot-free, essentially, for all the shit he did with just the scope of the taxes they went after. And then last night he rubs it in the American taxpayers' faces, the blue-collar, hardworking, middle-class family, the Steak for Breakfast listeners, uh, by showing up at this you know, tuxedo state dinner event and, and shaking hands with, you know, high ranking officials from all over the world. How ironic is this? I know. Uh, how ironic is this? Hunter Biden, the first son, the first crackhead right. of, of Joe Biden has a taxpayer funded Secret Service detail, which when I saw the other day I was watching, I believe it's like a convoy of four vehicles. I don't know how many agents. Um all of the money that goes to him uh, a, a month to protecting him and, and I believe even housing him or making his housing, uh, you know, secure. Secret Service secure. And then uh, pleading to charges and not having any accountability to evading taxes, to tax fraud. So, you know, just committing fraud against the American people and, 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 the, and the country and the government. And then at a state dinner, a taxpayer funded state dinner. If this isn't a big, hey, screw you, American middle class, then I don't know what is. We are paying, I, I'm going to say, hundreds of thousands of dollars for this guy to travel around, you know, bang hookers, uh, snort blow and make, you know, uh, blow art <laughs> and, uh, evade any type of accountability and we're and we're paying for it and they're just shoving it in our faces i wonder what the secret service is actually thinking to themselves you know you, you notice that those leaks in the first year of joe biden especially the, the him crap in his pants stuff at the fourth of july event the 9-11 event and the vatican they all just kind of went away um you know yeah. and, and and that's just kind of where we're at right now you know it's listen election season the circle the wagon season for the democrats you have to assume that we're 10 points down in every single poll even someone that you know has been a republican house seat or a senate seat for decades you were 10 points down and we really have to start you know thinking differently and changing the way we do things it's been an interesting week of news but uh we'll continue to track this stuff throughout the weekend see what the sunday morning news circuit looks like and of course we'll be covering it on our tuesday edition of steak for breakfast joining us next on the show today he's the former capitol hill chief his staff he runs some pretty big twitter spaces and he's one of my favorite consultants jim faff thanks for joining us on the show hey thanks for having me appreciate it well we had been talking recently and you definitely wanted to get into a couple indictments some that are for sure and some that certainly weren't this week let's start off with the trump one recently uh the federal indictment in miami federal court about a week and a half ago i know you had some pretty spicy commentary on it uh we're 
people are calling it a three-tier justice system now. I'm still trying to figure out the equation for that. But just in the cases of uh, President Trump, what do you think? Well, I'll tell you what. We, we've gone off the rails. Like, we're totally third world now. This, this is a crazy indictment. Um, it, let's say that uh, the, the, it goes to court and the federal government can make a case that a jury accepts with obstruction of justice. Well, why would we have gotten there? The reason we would have gotten there is the same thing that we, the same reason we get to a lot of these with Republicans and particularly high level Republicans like Donald Trump, which is a process crime. So Donald Trump has every right. Oh, I talk, I talk about this all the time. People need to drill it into their heads. Article two, section one, clause one of the constitution says the executive power will reside in a president of the United States. So the executive power, that direct article, the is really significant because every bit of executive power that is provided under the constitution is literally resides in one person while they are in elective office. Donald Trump has every right to do anything that he wants to with papers that are in the government. Now there's this distinction that people make because of the presidential records act, that he, you know, well, his personal papers are different than the other papers. No, everything that's created by the federal government is under the control of the executive power, the president, the sitting president. So once we get past that realization that he has absolutely every authorization while he's president to do with classified records as he wants, because everything that's produced in government is, is given to the president, then we go to this discussion which utilizing the Espionage Act. And by the way, I, uh, back to the Presidential Records Act. Sorry, I'm going long here. But it, I, listen, I understand that we want the National Archives to have archives of presidential records. That's useful for the country. I think we need transparency in that regard as well, too. But when you uh, move this thing to an Espionage Act charge, you've suddenly gone way overboard and now it literally is the Biden administration attacking its political opponent. That's just because this election is coming up in 2024. It's absurd. No, it certainly is. And, and, and I don't mind you going long to kind of lay it out for our listenership because we try to paint every, you know, picture as vividly as possible and connect every dot in between just so there's at the end of the day, we don't want any room for commentary because we filled everybody up with so much facts. And, and when you look at turning a process crime into like, you know, it's kind of like the same thing that Alvin Bragg did in New York. Obviously, it's on a much lower level than in the federal court down in Miami. But he basically revived crimes. They've had laws changed. You know, huge financial backers came in uh, for that woman who accused Donald Trump of things there. And they were able to roll that all into a snowball down the mountain into what it is now, you know, going to, to court up there at some point in the future. Now, when you talk about this one with the Presidential Records Act, we had Trump attorney Jesse Benal on the show last Tuesday, and, and one of the things we were telling him also, you know, the indictment cites there's approximately 106 pages of documents that were in question here. And the legalities of it, classified, declassified, letters of interest, whatever. But the thing is, the FBI and the Justice Department have produced these stock photo images of rooms full of boxes, and they are conditioning the American public to think that Donald Trump is guilty before he even gets to court. And that's just like one of the ways that the media has worked against America First is essentially committing election interference the same way that they do with, you know, 
a lot of people still think that Donald Trump is a Russian asset and that Vladimir Putin literally swung the 2016 presidential election in his favor. We all know that's completely false and untrue. But the fact of the matter of it, we, we've heard it from our elected officials on TV, on the Senate floor, on the floor of the House. How do you not supposed to believe them? We're starting to run into the same problems here with the Trump indictment even before they get in court. And, you know, I do know this week that several people on the Trump team are heading to Washington, D.C. to provide deposition for the January 6th case that's being led by Jack Smith as well. It's not being reported anywhere, but I can confirm it here on the show. And I do think that they are starting to look at the long game of maybe they're not going to be able to get Donald Trump for this presidential records act because in the gray areadness of the legalities of whatever, he's going to be able to beat it at the end of the day, especially with a jury of his peers in a place like Miami. But rolling it down the, the road to the January 6th stuff, you know, they, they did just put somebody in jail for nearly 20 years who did not enter the Capitol on January 6th. So yeah. it, it's a little bit worrisome to see things like, you know, uh, conspiracy to commit sedition and stuff like that being just thrown out into the wind against Donald Trump. And we, again, we all know it's not true, but they're going to keep saying it enough by the time it gets to court and he's indicted for January 6th stuff. Everyone's always already going to presume him guilty. What do you think? Yeah, listen, this entire process is about building narrative, not about pursuing justice. Let's just lay that foundation. We know that now because even though many of us were aware already that this Russia hoax thing was a hoax, but now the proof is in the pudding. It's out there. Everything is laid out. The The Mueller report did a lot of that. The Durham report added on to that. And, of course, we have a lot of other corroborating evidence to show that that was entirely about a narrative and an attempt to take someone down that they didn't like. This is proceeding with, by the way, admittedly, more serious uh, prosecutorial efforts, even though I think illegitimate. So when I mentioned that obstruction of justice will end up being a process crime, well, I'm saying that in effect it is. Obstruction of justice is a serious issue. Sure. But the way it became serious in this case is because they they threw in this Espionage Act thing. So what they always do with Donald Trump is try to ramp it up so high that it looks a lot worse. Remember back in the Clinton administration, you know, they, that both Hillary and Bill Clinton talked about the it's the serious of the uh, seriousness of the charges. Well, listen, we throw serious charges out to make it look bad. You're exactly right to point out the pictures, by the way. Yeah. The boxes around. There's no proof or evidence in all those pictures that there are actually classified documents sitting in those boxes. Now, now maybe maybe that is there, but I haven't seen it. They're not even asserting it. it. This The visual aspect of this is very interesting. And by the way, the classified folder thing on the floor that looks all you know, thrown about. And well, that, that was a setup picture sure. by that the FBI brought in there. And those could have been all empty and just old folders. And listen, pr presidents have had classified documents when they leave office consistently yeah. <laughs> for a long period of time. It, it, Donald Trump is totally within his right to do everything that he has done. This is absolutely just a continuation of the same scam that began when he went down the elevator in 2016. Yeah, and I mean, when you just look at some of the past cases, obviously Donald Trump continuously references the Clinton sock drawer tapes. Uh, Richard Nixon was able to sell all of his classified documents back to the federal government for nearly $20 million uh, quite a while after he left office. And who knows how much Barack Obama has, and it looks like Joe Biden jumped the gun and just took all of his classified materials before he even you know, claimed the White House, which is a whole different story and a whole different special counsel, which we'll definitely have to touch on on a later date but speaking of jumping the gun 
Hunter Biden is going to basically walk away scot-free after, you know, a five-year investigation into his finances and how he was able to legally purchase a firearm, uh, even though he lied on the application, uh, came down from the DOJ this week. What do you think about that in, in regards to the two-tier system of justice? Well, you know, uh, my friend Peter Schweitzer uh, over on the drill down did a, 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 a podcast on this, and I, I, it was kind of interesting. He made, he made the case and brought up the fact that there are FARA violations. Now, federal FARA is the uh, Foreign Agent Registration Act, yep. and uh, there there are issues regard to that that what weren't even envisioned in this. Like, what was the deal that was made that those potential charges aren't there? Because those charges also lead in to the money. This was a total whitewash. It's absolutely absurd that he is going to get such a, an, an easy deal to walk away and there's no doubt that they are trying to cover that up. When you hear also the recent uh, uh, whistleblower, uh, the, the House Ways and Means Committee has uh, IRS whistleblowers who are stating that the investigations on the tax issues that he's getting a whitewash on uh, were constantly there. At least the whistleblowers are saying they were constantly being directed away from Joe Biden in that investigation by their superiors. The the fix is in on that. They're trying to hide that. This, this is a great transition from what we were just talking about because of this. Listen, Donald Trump is a quirky character. When you look at his, the, the totality is of, of his life. I come from a evangelical Christian perspective. You know, Trump had a kind of a loose life as for all those years prior to even envisioning running for president. And that was, that could be offensive to people. Uh, he's bombastic. So certainly, I mean, I, I, even though I, I think you can go overboard, I don't begrudge someone not liking Donald Trump's manner, but here's the thing that really matters. If you take the totality of Donald Trump's life as a businessman and as a person, you will not ever, if you looked really hard, he doesn't even come close to the actual and potential criminality that the Biden family has undertook. The real problems we have with corruption in government is not Donald Trump tweeting or calling his opponents names. That's far from the worst thing that we have to worry about. What we do have to worry about is Joe, the Joe Bidens of the world, even the Barack Obamas of the world, absolutely, who used the government against his political opponents as well. That's where our real problem is. Yeah, it ramped up towards the end of his first term. He was called out for it in, in his re-election campaign, you know, starting to weaponize certain uh, factions within the government and agencies. Then, you know, the whole racial division thing came up. And once he reclaimed the White House, he said, well, they're already starting to turn on me, so it's time to just sick the dogs and all of them. And, and it seems like ever since the start of the, the Barack Obama second term, it's been just a downward spiral all the way through. I mean, Donald Trump was so worried about pushing the America first agenda and getting his policies and legislation passed while he was in office, while fighting all the red tape and the administrative state. He, he couldn't even worry about how out of control the FBI and DOJ were being used against him, even when it was literally happening in real time, like the Mueller investigation and Spygate yeah. and all that stuff. So it, it's just wild the way, you know, and, and I saw uh, this morning, Cash Patel had his season finale of his podcast come out. And believe it or not, we're talking about the Hunter Biden thing right now. Every single thing that the federal government does, there's always like a clause or amendment to be able to not only contradict themselves, but essentially let their friends off scot-free. And in that gun registration clause, there is like an annotation that says if 
this ever reaches a level of legality like it is with Hunter Biden right now when they did the investigation on how he purchased that firearm while he was, you know, doing drugs and all this other stuff. The assistant U.S. Attorney General can just pretty much wave a, a magic wand and, and make that charge just go. They could wave the clause that says you can you could be on drugs to get a gun. And yeah. that's probably one of the things that they use to uh, make sure that none of that stuff stuck. And it kind of puts us in the situation where we are now. I mean, the investigation and the oversight and the Judiciary Committee comes on as Congressman Mike Collins, who joined us at the top of our show, alluded to. But, you know, every single roadblock and pitfall that we could expect, plus some, are going to be set up in our way as we try to get to the bottom of what's really been going on with Joe Biden and his family and all of this stuff, uh, you know, that he's done throughout the course of his career, both, you know, as the vice president, a senator, and then his time out of office when it really ramped up. Well, by the way, um, on uh, Peter Schweitzer's podcast, Eric Eggers of Government Accountability Institute said, uh, it's too bad Donald Trump spent all that money on lawyers. <laughs> what he really needed was a drug dealer. I mean, that's really kind of, th- th- that seems like an, an absurd statement, but let's let's just be clear on the facts here. That is very close to the truth. Yeah, the, We've gone to a type of justice in this country that is leading us down a path that I hope we can extract ourselves from. Obviously, 2024 becomes a huge election. We really do need Donald Trump to get elected. And by the way, Ron DeSantis is going nowhere. That's not happening. We just need to start focusing on where we're going to go. And by the way, there was a, 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 a poll by Emerson recently. I found it very interesting what uh, Tom Bevan of a Real Clear Politics or the founder of Real Clear Politics pointed this out. The numbers when it comes to folks in the black community of support for Biden are extremely low. Now, they're high numbers. They're well over 50 percent. So, for example, uh, black folks over 50, 69 percent support blacks in total, 57 support, 57 percent support. Now, let's take a look at that. Let's just say that those numbers are going to close in by the time 2024 comes. Joe Biden, at best is going to lose 20% of the black vote in 2024. That's unrecoverable. Yeah. Even if Donald Trump did as bad as he did in the suburbs in 2020, that is unrecoverable. This is a potential landslide. And I think the reason for that is the American people see how corrupt this system has become, how totally incompetent Joe Biden is, and how totally corrupt and radical leftist the Democrat Party is, there is a potential groundswell for a massive change coming in 2024 that no one's talking about because everyone, you know, you got the the Ron DeSantis uh, shiny object over here and you got the never Trumpers who are giving credence uh, in the news media. What you guys are doing on your podcast and what's happening outside of the traditional media people are paying attention they're looking for information and i think they're finding out this could change and maybe for a positive uh in for all of us yeah we bring a lot of the players who are got skin in the game right now on the show and uh you know it's one of those things you got to hear it from them you got to see what it's like on the ground and in the trenches and you know if you're just going to watch fox news at 8 p.m every day and get a recap of all the day's events that they want you to hear it's going to be something that really doesn't uh fill up your brain with too much pertinent information that's going to get you uh, where you need to be before this election cycle uh, kicks off. 
Jim, this has been yeah. awesome sitting down with you today. I mean, you know, we need to get you on the show more because we got a bunch of stuff we have to talk about. I think providing commentary on some of the biggest and most serious issues, not only affecting this election cycle, but pretty much the country right now and even the world. I mean, we saw the disastrous trip to, to Beijing that Tony Blinken had last week. And, you know, leave it to people like the Justice Department and Hunter Biden to skirt that right under the rug and then have something like the submarine drama go on all week to make everybody forget about just how bad that trip was when it's probably the most important issue that uh, our country is facing right now. And, uh, you know, we, we, we just have to be able to talk about it and get the information out there. And I think you're doing a great job of it with the Twitter spaces, and we're trying to do the best job we can here on Steak for Breakfast. So we're going to live link anything you got for us in the show description today, including your Twitter handle. So where can we find you? Uh, go to Jim Paff, J-I-M-P-F-A-F-F, also Against Nice, both of those Twitter handles. It's my podcast and uh, my uh, personal space out there, and anyone can find me anytime at locatejim.com. Whenever there's breaking news, you'll find him pretty soon thereafter on Twitter, providing some commentary for it. We love it, and we love having him on the show, the former chief of staff to Capitol Hill. See him on Twitter spaces. Jim Paff, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. A lot of non-news to kind of shape our week. And if you read between the lines, you see what the actual stories, and even more consequently, the problems are. If you enjoyed this episode of the Steak for Breakfast podcast and now want to hear the over 250 other editions of the show, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. Make sure you're subscribing to us on Apple and Spotify. Leave a review, rate the show, and then on all of our social medias, Twitter, Getter, Instagram, True Social, find the Steak for Breakfast podcast. You'll thank us later. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us today. Congressman Mike Collins, awesome sitting down with him. Jim Paff, always a pleasure. And then for the first time, Richard Barris, the People's Pundit, great segment getting inside the numbers with him. Guys, don't worry, we'll be back on Tuesday with episode 251 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. So far, we've got Congressman Kevin Kiley and Mike Williams joining us for the first time. On behalf of the entire pod team, I'm Roan. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend and take care. I let him, uh, Chris Christie, who's got nothing going except I can be tougher on Trump. He's not tougher on anybody's slub. But why would I let these people take shots at me?